Well, hi there, and welcome to Seven Figure Millennials, where you and I are on a mission together to prioritize our happiness, health, and relationships while making our biggest entrepreneurial dreams a reality. And if this is your very first episode, I want to say welcome. Super excited to have you here. If you're returning, welcome back. I want to say how much I appreciate you every single week for listening and hanging out with myself and the incredible guests that we bring on the show. And speaking of guests, today, you and I get to hang out with Tom Matson. Authority entrepreneurs hire Tom to build seven and eight figure enterprises by helping them to package their wisdom and knowledge and build a global movement in the process. Tom has started some 89 businesses of his own. You heard that right. (laughs) Eight of them to seven figures and beyond. More importantly, his personal coaching clients have generated more than $100 million in sales in dozens of industries. However, he has made more mistakes on his own than most people make in a lifetime. He has made and lost millions several times over. Tom Matson shares his authentic self with communities around the globe with real-life stories of glorious triumphs and colossal failures of how he has made and lost millions several times over. Leveraging this priceless knowledge, Tom is on a mission to empower 10,000 authority entrepreneurs to build seven- and eight-figure businesses by December 2024. And in this episode, you're going to learn so much, but as always, I'm going to point out three specific things that I want you to look out for. Number one, the power of using risk reversal in your business and how to leverage it to get nine times more prospects and three times more sales. Number two, why Tom argues that the quote unquote ladder of ascension model is selling you false hope and how you can learn from one of the strategies that Tesla is using to take over the world and apply it to your business. Number three, you're going to learn one of the most expensive business lessons that Tom has ever learned. And he titles it, how I turned a 21 million IPO into $10 million in debt in six easy months. (laughs) So we're going to dive into that story and what you can learn from it, of course. And before we dive into the interview, I'm going to give a pre-show listener shout out, which this week goes to B. Lols, who left a review saying, insightful and actionable. I had heard Brandon on Growth Marketing Toolbox and was blown away by how insightful and actionable his content was. If you're looking for ways to enhance your email outreach impact like I've been, I highly encourage you to follow Brandon. So thank you so much for those kind words, B. Lols. I'm glad you listened to my episode on Growth Marketing Toolbox and applied what we talked about, about how I've been able to get these incredible guests and build the connections that I've been able to build in my career so far. So if you're a returning listener, I want to encourage you to follow B. Laws's actions that he took and leave a review. And if you haven't done that yet, you can rate, head to ratethispodcast.com slash 7FM. And that's going to show you specifically how you can do it depending on what device you're listening to. So the, that link again is ratethispodcast.com slash 7FM. M. So with all that said, with the bio out of the way, with you knowing what to look forward to, with the incredible review from b now you are ready to listen to the incredible conversation with Tom Matson. If you had to pick between A, making a ton of money, B, being happy, healthy, and surrounded with people you love, or C, making a meaningful impact on the world, which would you choose? The good news is that today we don't have to choose. So the question is, how can entrepreneurs like you and me, who have a vision for our lives and aren't willing to settle for anything less, how can we become financially successful and have a big impact while prioritizing our happiness, health, and relationships? You and I are on a mission to find out, and we have an incredible journey ahead of us. My name is Brandon Fong, and welcome to the 7 Bigger Millennials Podcast. Mr. Tom Madsen, welcome to the show. Super excited to have you here, my friend outstanding brandon happy to be here i always think there's at least two people listening at every single moment to one of these so hello to both of you and brandon 
Awesome. Love that. And as you heard from that one clip right there, we have a man with a perfect radio voice, which always makes it a bonus. For <laughs> uh, an I think my mom said I had the face for radio, but I don't know if that was a compliment <laughs> or not. Wait a second, mom. Wait a second. <laughs> yeah. So uh, the thing I'll say really quickly to the, the person that's hanging out with us right now is that it is no secret that because I invest so much time researching each guest that every guest that appears on the show, I only invite because I'm super interested in going deep on their content. And I just want to say to you, Tom, just from the start, I would highly recommend anyone go check out either tommatson.com or entrepreneurshipempowerment.com. And you're going to see that Tom doesn't hold back on the value. We're going to dive into all of his juicy content. But I just wanted to say thank you, Tom, for all that you're doing in the world, because you're doing some massively powerful things. And it's going to be so much fun to dive into all of your content today. So I always love... Yeah. So I always love starting with a story. And I wanted to start with a story that's earlier on in your entrepreneurial career that I think will just kind of naturally lead us to your content. So um, I've heard you tell the story a few times. I think it's really powerful just to kind of drop everyone into the scene. You were a younger entrepreneur. You're around 23 years old. And this is kind of the time when you learned about the power of strategic risk reversal from a Texan. <laughs> so I would love to, I love to hear that story because I think it's a great one and it's going to set us in the right direction. Yeah, it was fascinating. I was working with Dale Carnegie at the time, speaking and training and selling. And uh, one of the things I quickly learned is that when you're in that position of authority, everyone comes to you for advice. And and people were coming to me for all sorts of advice, a lot of it business advice. And I was a young 23-year-old kid. I frankly didn't have a lot of, of business experience at that time. And, but I, uh, as my first wife said, uh, often wrong, but never in doubt. <laughs> I always had an opinion. <laughs> I always had an opinion. And finally dawned on me, this is crazy. I got to start taking some training. If I'm going to be giving advice, I got to start getting good at knowing what advice to give. So I started taking classes on business, growing businesses, selling, marketing, anything I could get my hands on. And, uh, I had a, a client reach out that was in the locksmith business and wanted to do a yellow page ad. Now, for you kids out there, that's the internet in one book. <laughs> <laughs> like, seriously, for each city, it was the internet in a book. It was all the business listings in a book. Now, many of you have seen yellow pages. They're pretty much obsolete functionally today because of the internet. But back then, they were a very important tool for getting cold traffic to your business. Because think about it, right? If you needed a lock changed, where did you go? You know, today you go to the internet to look for someone who changes locks. Back then you open up the book, went to locks or lock repair and found someone. And so the ad you had was pretty important. And I had signed up for the top Yellow Page marketing guy in the world who was coming to Calgary and was doing a, a two-day event uh, on that topic. So I thought, perfect. I got this client who needs some help. I got this seminar coming up. I told him I would have a proposal for him by Wednesday of the following week. I go to the event. The event turns out the example the guy gave the whole time was a locksmith. The whole two days, it was his example. So I was so excited. I was all pumped and excited. I knew I could crush it for him. And I put together my proposal. And back then, this was electric typewriter days. So when you're putting things together, you typed it all out and I had to put my pricing in. And for you newer entrepreneurs listening in, you, you probably don't know there are nine different pricing models out there. I At the time, I certainly didn't know that. I knew you know what I wanted. <laughs> that was about it. That was about the only strategy I had. What do I want to make off this? And so I was thinking, okay, well, I want to make this. But this guy's a veteran. And in Calgary, they have a lot of Texans because of the oil and gas business. At the time, they had more Americans living outside of America 
in Calgary than any city in the world. I don't know if that's still the case today, but at the time that was the case. <clears throat> and so I knew, you know, he's a veteran entrepreneur, kind of grizzly. You know, he was, he was probably my age today, which is kind of funny, an <laughs> old guy to me back then. And I was like, he's going to grind me. He's going to grind me. So I figured, okay, I'll take my price and I'll ask for double. And that way I got room to negotiate, right, Brandon? That makes sense. Give me some room to negotiate back and forth. And so I come in and I present, I go through all the details and, you know, attention getting headline, call to action, you know, full page, you know, near the front, blah, 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 on the right-hand side of the page, not the left, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, son, you think it's going to work? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Absolutely. Absolutely. Positively, sir. He said, tell you what, I'll pay you nothing if it don't and double if it does. Now, this was double my double. So this was four times what I wanted, and I knew it would work. I said, you're on, sir. I shook his hand, and he was all excited, and off we went. I did the work. We submitted the ad. The, the schedule was such that about a month later, the deadline was for the ads. So I had just enough time to get the ads in, and then a month later, the book was out. And a month after that, I get a phone call. I don't remember his name to this day. I remember he had a text and drawl. And he calls up and he goes, Matson, get your ass down here. <laughs> and I'm like, what? Oh my God. Yes, sir. I'll be right down. And I'm like, what did I do? I, how can he be disappointed? It's only a month in. Like this is a one year ad. I'm like, oh, and all these things are going through my brain. So I get down there, Bow Valley Square. For those that know Calgary, the big four tall towers. And I park underground. I scoot up to his office. Unfortunately, I could clear my schedule to do that right away. I come down there and I sit down and I go, yes, sir. Yes, sir. What's going on? He says, I got something for you. And he reaches over and he's got a check to pay me in full one month in. And he was so happy. He was playing me. He was pretending he was mad. He wasn't mad. He was ecstatic. <laughs> he was over the top excited. And I got double what I'd asked for four times what I wanted. And the lesson, Brandon, that stayed with me from that point on is if you link your payments to your client's success, they're happier and you make way more money. It's like a perfect combination. So I never, I never forgot that lesson. I've used it in all of my events, all of my pricing, all of my coaching from that day forward. I experimented different ways, different formulas. I learned if you ask for nothing up front, then your clients don't always listen. And so the model has evolved and grown and we can get into some of the more sophisticated details of that if you want, because it's a game changer. A good risk reversal is nine times the prospects, three times the sales. So uh, it's, it was a game changer for me from that moment on. Yeah. Love that story. And I promise to everyone, we won't leave you on a cliffhanger. We're going to, we're going to come back and make sure that we talk about risk reversal and guarantees and get all the nitty gritty details. But really quick, I wanted to fill people in with a, the gap here. So we just heard a story of you at 23 and then they know from your bio, you started 89 business at least, at least from the time that the bio was last updated. Maybe you're at 500 by this time. I don't even know. Uh, and eight of them were to, to seven over seven figures. So I would love to hear a little bit about your journey on the, from, from learning about strategic risk reversal to some of the work that you're doing. Can you just kind of fill in the gaps there? Sure. I, I basically have three three chapters, three eras, not really a chapter. There were more multiple chapters, three different eras. There were r roughly 10 years a piece. Uh, some a little bit more, some a little bit less, but the first 10 years I was helping people start their own business. 
bricks and mortar, local service businesses, help them start, grow, and expand. And I loved it. I absolutely loved it. And you know, it's a it's a it's a path that I miss today because I don't work with that sort of audience anymore. But I loved it. I worked with thousands and thousands of startup entrepreneurs, and I built 187 coffee bars. I built restaurants and cafes and retail shops and all kinds of businesses. And in fact, one of the things I was really good at was building a business I had never built before, which sounds bizarre, but the fundamentals of building a business all have the same elements. You need a good location. You need a good lease. You need good design. You need good training. The mechanics within that we could find other experts for. So what I learned very quickly was that was the easy part. It was all the other stuff that was the complex part. Um, and so I did that for about 10 years, loved it a ton. Um, and then in that process, I had several clients that had ideas that were, they wanted to expand, they wanted to grow, they wanted to franchise. And I, as I got to learn more about franchising and licensing, I realized most of these people should not be franchising. <laughs> like they're not, they're not set up to be franchising. They're not prepared for all the work that's necessary to do it well, but some were, some were. And so I started helping people, some of them franchise or license and expand. Um, I, you know, I called that era the self-funded quantum growth, because if you do it right, franchising or licensing is the best way to grow your business by far. If you do it wrong, it's very, very costly and very, very painful. But if you do it right, it's a good way to do that. And so I did that for about a, uh, 10 years, um, got to speak at the International Franchise Expo and got to go to Beijing for a franchise show one time, Brandon, which was fascinating. This was uh, got to be 10 years ago now, maybe 12 years ago. And even then, 70% of the entrepreneurs at the franchise show in Beijing were women. And I could tell the world was changing. Like the world was changing and Beijing was leading it. China, right? You think communist China. Nope, not the average person. Free enterprise China, let me tell you. They are a economic powerhouse and anyone that's ever done business with them knows that to this day. But it was fascinating to see these amazing women all, all looking to build and grow businesses uh, at that time. I remember it uh, fondly. Uh, and then uh, about... I guess it'd be about eight years ago now, seven, eight years ago, I was looking for my quote, final chapter, my final area of focus for my business. And I wanted, I wanted it something with massive impact, but I wasn't sure what to do. And we hired this gal. She was a French uh, American living in Texas. Um, She was in, I think she was in San Antonio. I was in Austin and we arranged for her to come up and meet with me and our team and my partners and go through this exercise, which for you non-woo-woo people, I won't tell you what we did. <laughs> but it was a, it was a, a spiritual awakening type of exercise. It was fantastic, actually. Way outside my comfort zone. Uh, and I'm a crossover woo-woo. I have no problem with woo or woo-woo. But uh, this, was, this, was, this was outside my comfort zone. And in the, in the process, she would muscle test, for those that know what that is, different ideas and different destinies and callings, frankly. And she came across one that my body responded to massively on a subconscious level, which is how muscle testing works. If you know anything about muscle testing, it's not a conscious thing. You can't think it's it's a subconscious thing. Well, it turns out that my calling was to help other entrepreneurs build global movements around their wisdom and knowledge. So now I'm a chief movement maker 
And my my calling is to help people build seven and eight figure businesses and global movements around their wisdom and knowledge. And uh, it's been phenomenal. I absolutely love it and adore it. And I'll be doing this until I, uh, I no longer choose to serve, which mm. uh, I don't know if that'll ever happen by the time they put me in a box. But <laughs> but I'm certainly going to be doing it for years to come. I love it. It is such a treat to get to be hanging out with you and everybody listening to to listen to all your distilled wisdom, because obviously you're hearing Tom share these these nuggets of gold that he's learned, but he had to learn these from all these different industries. And so today we get the the distilled version of it. So thank you so much for closing that gap and for showing us a little bit about your journey. So let's go back to where we were from the original question. You're 23. You learned about the power of risk reversals and guarantees. And I was kind of digging through all your content and I've identified a whole bunch of foundational concepts that I think are kind of at the core of all you do. So we can go through a bunch of them, but I think that what we touched on before the guarantees and risk reversals is one of those foundational concepts. And so I would love for you to share a little bit about some of the wisdom that you've accumulated over the years on the keys to guaranteeing results and how people can leverage the power of risk reversals inside of their business. Yeah. And and basically there's six steps to doing uh, amazing risk reversal. And first, let me start with just why do we call it risk reversal? I learned that term, not from that Texan guy, but from Jay Abraham. Um, some of you, uh, some of your listeners will identify with Jay Abraham, one of the smartest marketing guys in the world. I think last time he stopped you, there you go. Love it. Last time I, 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 I checked, he was like $32 billion in documented results for his clients. And then he stopped counting. Uh, super brilliant guy. And I had the pleasure of hiring him as a private coach for a number of years. And so I got his like core craziness all the time. It was amazing. He calls it risk reversal because you're taking the risk off your prospect's shoulders and putting it on your shoulders. That's what a good guarantee does. A good guarantee takes the risk off of your prospect's shoulders. And by doing that, it makes it so much easier for them to say yes. In fact, the data that Jay had, and I've since proven it in, on my own with hundreds of business, oh no, hundreds of industries, tens of thousands of businesses, is you get about nine times as many prospects when you have a good risk reversal. You don't do nine times the sales. You don't do nine times the sales because, no surprise, if you're guaranteeing results, you're going to be pickier when you accept clients, right? You're not going to say yes to everyone. You're going to make sure that you can truly help them. And one of the challenges with our industry, you know, the information world, the selling wisdom world, the authority industry, as I call it, one of the challenges is there's a lot of people who don't know what they're doing selling their wisdom and knowledge. You know it. You meet them all the time. I meet them all the time. And it's like, what? Really? Like, you have no idea. Would you like to just read a book and you're just applying this idea? And so, you know, if you're good at what you do, you should be able to link your payments to results. So that's sort of the setting the stage for it. The six steps are really quite simple. First, you identify the biggest risks that your ideal prospect faces in doing business with you. You know, time and money are obvious ones, but what else? What else? One of my favorite examples is back in the day, IBM, IBM Computers, was known by the competitors as inferior but marketable. That was their acronym, (laughs) inferior but marketable. Oh, they can sure sell those guys. Well, here was the thing. If you hired IBM, and you were in a corporation, you never got fired. If you hired cousin Joe, who lives in the basement of his mom's place, and he screwed it up, you could get fired, right? If you're selling to uh, to an entrepreneur a high-ticket program, and they don't check with their spouse, and they spend you know, 15, 20 grand, and their deal is to check with their spouse, 
they could get divorced. <laughs> like literally, like not figuratively, literally. So there are all sorts of risks your ideal prospect face when working with you. And you want to identify what those are. You want to get really clear. Zach, does that make sense? Any questions on that Absolutely. one, Brandon? No, I think that's very, very clear. And I mean, outside of IBM, I think that's like a really big example. What are, do you have maybe some examples of the people that you've coached on? Because I think lots of people, they're stuck with the time and money because it's like most things are related to time and money. So do you have any other examples that come from maybe not yeah, an IBM? Yeah, that you've helped? stress, quality of life, sleep, uh, spousal relationships, relationships with the employees. You know, there's a, you know, sometimes if you've got a, a, a loyal relationship with a vendor, and you switch vendors, you forget the impact it has on the rest of your team or your clients. So there's, there's, you know, most of it relates to either stress or joy, the, the flip side of each, right? Stress on the negative, joy on the positive side. Or time, right? You waste time, right? A little bit of time, a lot of time gets wasted. Or capital. Those are the sort of, they're all subsets of that typically. Uh, but there's cool. reputational risk. Right there's reputational risk. I mean, we we just came off of our biggest event that we run three times a year. Um, it's called Strategic Alliance Live. We have literally hundreds of people from all over the planet come and do joint ventures. Well, when you're doing joint ventures, as you know, with new partners, there's a reputational risk. If you endorse them and they turned out to be a fraud or a charlatan or a crappy, <laughs> just any one of those three, then your reputation is at risk. Right. So you know, what every person is going to be a little different depending on what they're selling and who they're selling it to. But here's the cool part. What my experience is, Brandon, everybody knows how to identify this one really quickly. They can figure it out really, really quickly. It's the other ones mm -hmm. that take a bit more finessing. Starting with number two, which is create the boldest possible guarantee you can around that. Like what is the biggest, boldest possible thing? You're not, you're not deciding this yet. You're just sort of brainstorming. You're brainstorming. And if you've got an inner circle, get your inner circle together. What would be the biggest, boldest, craziest thing we could do? Like our current number one offer, we guarantee someone a million dollars in cash within two years run, uh, building a high-ticket program and running a summit. Like it's, it's insane. It's an insane offer. It's literally a no-brainer offer for someone who's paying attention. Um, and that came from doing our own exercise and saying, well, what would be the most important? Thing? What if we did this? What if we did this? Well, we'd build a tribe of a thousand people. If we do that, we can guarantee mid six figures. Well, if we repeat it, we can guarantee seven figures, seven figures. Wow. million dollars. And we just went through this exercise, right? So anyone listening in, what's the biggest, boldest thing you can possibly guarantee? I'll give you an example. Um, realtor was in one of my workshops, uh, and she was working on her biggest guarantee. And she'd been a real estate secretary for a number of years, Kathleen Mangean. And, and she saw all these young guys lying to prospects. And she said, this is ridiculous. Like they're, they're succeeding in business, but they're lying to their customers. And she saw the impact of that on their business and on the customer. She said, if I become a realtor, I won't lie to them. I'll do way better. <laughs> like simple premise, right? Well, guess what? She was doing way better. And she came to our workshop to get even better. And she, in this particular case, I was teaching risk reversal and it was splitting up over Saturday night and Sunday morning. So we got this first part done, biggest, boldest possible guarantee. And then we stopped the training and we were taking a break for the night and come back the next morning to continue on. And as she, it turns out she had a listing presentation that night. And as she drove to the listing, she said, what's the biggest, boldest thing I could promise? She said, well, I could promise to sell the guy's house. I could promise to sell the guy's house at 
95% of the value we listed for. I could promise to sell it quickly. I could promise to find him a new home. And she kind of just literally combined all of these into a deal. And in real estate, when you sell someone's home and help them buy the new one, the realtors call that double ending a deal. Double ending a deal. So her guarantee was she would double, if you double ended the deal with her, she would guarantee to sell your first home within 95% of your listing price within 21 days, or she would pay the mortgage on that home until it's sold. This crazy guarantee. And yet, even when I heard it the next morning, because she got the listing with that offer, no surprise. And when I talked <laughs> about the next morning, it was outside my comfort zone. And I teach people to stretch the comfort zone. I was like, holy <laughs> cow, like, can you do that? She goes, well, I don't take a listing that I can't get the, the sales price. So 95% is like super easy. And again, I only take a listing that I know I can sell it. And I do a lot of prep work before the listing goes live. So it typically takes me 14 days to get an offer. So 21 days, has got a buffer. So she was like, that's not a risk for me. She makes $65,000 double ending a deal, typically. She became number one in her office, then number one, I don't know why real estate do this, the number one female agent in her office in Canada, and the number one female agent or top 10, I think it was in the world, in her firm that she was in. Why they split men and women up in rankings, I don't understand because it's, it doesn't mean real estate, it's not like there's a gender bias. In fact, if anything, women are better at it than men, but nonetheless, she crushed it with that guarantee. And so she simply put herself in the state of the other person and said, what's the best possible result someone could get? Mm-hmm. Number two. I, I, love, I love that. And I'll just add really quickly, uh, interview that I did recently was with Steve Sims. I don't know if you know Steve, Tom, but uh, uh, he fish, has this incredible- fish, yellow fish. What's his brand? <laughs> yeah, Steve is awesome. And one of my favorite parts of the entire interview is he talks about when he was a bouncer, the most important thing that he did to prevent fights from happening in the club was to control his front door. And that not not only does that apply in being a bouncer and preventing people from getting in, in fights in the club, but it also everybody has a front door in their business. And so yeah. that was the, the biggest thing that I wanted to make sure everybody got from that nugget of gold that you just dropped. You already alluded to this, but that real estate person was very confident that she could make this guarantee, but with the caveat that she has a really good you know, red velvet rope allowing who's right in the front door. Like what you said, nine times the prospects, but you have to be very, very clear about who's allowed into that door. Otherwise you're going to be shooting yourself in the front. So love that. Okay. So we've come up with the biggest risk and then we've created that we've, we've pulled out our whiteboard and we wrote all these crazy bold things and we're like, man, okay, so let's package this. Now what do we do? Now I got the bad news. Step three is the work. Step three. (laughs) Oh no. You got to, you got to figure out to do it, Tom. (laughs) You got to figure out how to deliver. You got to figure out how to deliver on your guarantee. And and step four relates to it. We call it annuaging your plan. One of the smartest business coaches I know is Annuag Gupta of the Difference Engine. He takes companies that do 10 million a year to a billion a year with a B and has a 100% success rate, Brandon. 100%. Now, to be fair, if you don't listen to his advice, he fires your butt. <laughs> so not 100% of the people that start with him get there. But if you listen, you get there. And his first big success was Lululemon. Uh, anyone that's a yoga clothing fan out there tuning in knows Lululemon, a multi-billion dollar brand. He worked with Chip Wilson from store one to a billion in sales. And in, he taught me this strategy. I call it annuaging because it's an homage to him. But basically you take your goal. So let's say you're guaranteeing someone $100,000 from an appearance on your podcast. How's that for crazy, right? Let's just go, let's go crazy, right? They appear on your podcast. You're going to guarantee them $100,000 worth of business. Well, 
the first thing you'll do in annuating is you'll double the goal to 200,000, right? And then you're going to help them have three different ways to get $200,000. So in your case, it might be downloads of free gifts. It might be introductions you make to influencers that you have, and it might be another strategy altogether, just for simplicity's sake. Three different strategies, each capable of double the goal. So you're now playing for 6x. You with me on the math on that, Brandon? Mm-hmm. You're playing Absolutely. for 6x or what we, you know, in that case, you blow through your actual goal on the way towards the 6x. You may not get to the 6x, but you blow through your goal. And when I tell this in front of a large room of entrepreneurs, I start by asking the room to think about the last time they set a major goal. How close did they get? What percentage of the goal did they get? And almost everyone in the room fails to get their goal. Okay. A few overachievers are there, right? But most people fail to get it. But the typical answer is 20%, 25%, 50%, a third, 70%. Like that's where most of the answers fall. Some, some people will share zero because they didn't take any action and you know, good for them. But most are in that range. Well, one sixth is about 18%. So doing this literally triple guarantees you can deliver for your client. And the same applies to free time or peace of mind or joy or laughter, other more soft outcomes. You just have to get more creative how you measure it. That's all. So that's number Mm -hmm. four, and you're egging your plan. And then number five, and most important, is link your payments to your client's success. Link your payments to your client's success. So you have aligned outcomes, right? You know people, there are some heavy hitters in the podcast space that charge $5,000 for an appearance. Right. Well, if if I was John Lee Dumas, shout out to JD, <laughs> and instead of charging five thousand, I would charge twenty five thousand, five thousand down, and the other twenty thousand when you did a hundred thousand dollars from the business generated from being on my show, and then I would come up with three strategies. Right, the two we talked about, and the third one would be leveraging the endorsement of him. <laughs> like, let's be clear, <laughs> mm-hmm. right? So you got three strategies and when they do $100,000, then he'd pay another 20. Now, are, is everyone going to get that result? No, not everyone's going to get that result. But if you follow up with them, if you support them and if you nurture them, a whole bunch will. And it also, a lot of people mistake the purpose of risk reversal. The purpose of risk reversal isn't the back end money that you make. The purpose of risk reversal is to make it easier for the right people to say, I want to play with you. I want to do business with you. Raise their hand and say, I want to do business with you. Um, And that's the power of a great risk reversal. So when you link your payments, your clients know you care because you're linking payments to results. Now, extra for experts, when you're first testing this, one of the easiest ways is to simply double the price you're charging and link it to results. The easiest way to test this. I know all kinds of people. I've been on podcast shows talking about this. The podcaster then goes away and goes, hmm, I could do that. I'm charging 10000 for that now. I could charge twenty, ten thousand 10000 up front. And they typically triple or quadruple their rates of conversion. Just something as simple as that. Now, that's not an advanced way to do it, but it's a great way to test the idea with your audience. And here's the best part. Your clients are happier. Right, you know, Brandon, there's a whole bunch of people that say, sell high ticket, just raise your prices. Sell high ticket, just raise your prices in our world. That's bullshit. Oh, sorry, I can't say that on the radio. That's BS. No, you, you can't. You're good. <laughs> We're okay on this show. Okay, good. Uh, that's BS. It's absolute BS. You don't just charge more. You need to deliver more and then charge more. 
And if you link payments to results, then people are ecstatic to pay you more along the way. And then that links to number six, which is test and measure, test and measure, test and measure, test and measure, complete loop. Test, measure, test, measure, test, measure, test, measure. I'll give you a great example there. We were building an indoor golf training center for the sport of golf. And we had found a way to guarantee results on golf lessons. Well, golf is a tough sport. For those golfers out there listening, and you know how tough it is to be consistent with it. And it's a tough sport to get better. Well, we had found a way from tons of research to guarantee a 25% improvement in handicap in three months. That's like five years of training for you non-golfers. Five years of training in improvement in three months. In fact, we actually could guarantee 40%, but nobody would believe that in the golf world. So we lowered it to 25% because we tested that. You see, we tested it. Well, guess what? Nobody wants their money back if they're a golfer and you're promising a lower score. What do they want, Brandon? What does the golfer uh, want? If they, you're promising a lower score in their game, what, what do they want? They want a lower score. <laughs> yeah. They don't want their money back. They want the promise. They want the lower score. They're nuts. Golfers are nuts. They spend all kinds of money. I like a joke about it. They'll spend $800 on a new driver so they can hit it 20 yards further into the woods. Like seriously, they don't take any lesson training. They just get all this new equipment and they're just as bad or worse because of it. So, so what we found very quickly was what they wanted was the result. So we tested a guarantee, we changed it, we tested, we changed it, then we found the great one, which is, or you keep getting lessons for free until you get the result. Mm-hmm. Now, normally that's a terrible guarantee, right? Think about it, right? Come on my show, uh, Tom, and I'll guarantee 100,000 in sales. And if it doesn't work, I'll invite you back on my show. <laughs> <laughs> Just the Tom and Brandon show. <laughs> right, like, uh, I'm not sure if it didn't work the first time, why is it repeating any good for me, Right. Like, I'm not necessarily going to want more of crappy. I'm not going to be excited about that. So normally that's a terrible guarantee. But if you're dealing with a fanatical audience that wants the outcome, like golfers are, then all of a sudden we found that that's a really good guarantee. (laughs) But that came from testing and measuring. We did not figure that out on our own. And and by the way, lowering our promise from 40% to 25%, that that was the other breakthrough. From testing, we could guarantee 40%, but the golfers who were bad couldn't believe that was possible, Mm. right? Like we just came off our big event where we were promising a million dollars in sales. We were blown away. A third of the room has applied to join us and play with us. But we know about half of those people, a million dollars in sales is intimidating, like crazy. So a big part of our onboarding is going to be dealing with the mindset issues they have before we start generating a lot of sales for them. Because if we generate sales without the mindset fix, they'll sell sabotage. Mm. And, okay, and so I want to- structure that'll hurt us and them. <laughs> yeah, so I want to go deeper here. And I think you've already answered this. So it, I apologize if this is a little bit redundant, but I just want to ask no this problem. the way I want to ask this because I think it's really Absolutely. crucial. Absolutely, because if, so it, I, cause I, if I you've think, got an objection, others will, so please. Yeah, so I think that uh, this, I love the whole guarantee thing. I think that lots of people might be thinking though, it's like, okay, if I guarantee the downside, even or get the, the downside of the guarantee, even if I'm filtering, is that if somebody says, okay, it's guaranteed, they might kind of, as a client, let their foot off the gas. So they don't try as hard to like try to do it if you're, you're backed by it. Obviously, you're trying to control for that for the front door. But if you experimented or found any other ways to help make sure that they're actually still investing in the process, even totally. if it's guaranteed. Really important question. Really, especially for the 
those selling wisdom and knowledge, right? So if anyone tuning in that sells wisdom and knowledge, this is super important. First part, the initial money is not refundable and under any circumstance. In fact, your wording needs to say it's earned in full the moment you pay it. So there's no question they've got their skin in the game. Number one, super important. The skin in the game guarantee your success? No, but it dramatically increases the odds. Dramatically mm-hmm. increases the odds. Number one. Number two, you need to build in skills, accountability, and mentorship around whatever you're providing them. And I don't care whether it's software or a course or a full program or some hybrid version thereof, because there's always hybrids out there, right, Brandon? Always hybrids. It doesn't matter what it is. You need to build in skills, accountability, and mentorship. The data is overwhelming. Courses don't cut it because courses don't get completed. You know, Tony Robbins shared with me that 97% of his clients that buy his courses don't finish them. And if you've ever hung with a Tony crowd, they're pretty motivated, okay? <laughs> like they're pretty high energy. They walk on fire for Pete's sake, right? And they don't think it hurts, right? They're motivated people and only 3% of those finish the damn course. So courses, knowledge, information on its own doesn't cut it, anyone. And if you're in the business of selling courses, stop. Add in skills, accountability, and mentorship. Now it becomes a program. And programs, you can guarantee results. If you guarantee results in a course, the only thing you can really guarantee is satisfaction. That's all you can really guarantee because they're not going to apply. They're not going to apply themselves. And the mistake some people make is they think because guarantees work, they're going to offer a refund. Well, the problem with the refund is then they're dabbling, like you're talking. Then they're kind of just testing the water. And when they're dabbling and they get a credit card bill, they're like, yeah, you know what? I'm just going to ask Brandon for my money back on this thing. Because I need to pay my bill. It's got nothing to do with Brandon. It's got everything to do with the fact they didn't do anything about it. Well, yeah, mm-hmm. but whose fault is that? You sold them a course. And now anyone listening in, you now know 97% on average won't complete it. So you sold them something they're not going to complete. Like, hello? It's not their fault. It's your fault. You sold it. I mean, <laughs> can you imagine a restaurant tour? right? You walk into a beautiful restaurant, order lunch. And 97% of the time, they don't bring you lunch. <laughs> they would lock the restaurateur up. They would take them away in handcuffs and lock them up. That would be called fraud in any other industry. But in the knowledge industry, that's considered best practices. What a bunch of crap. I'm sorry, I'm getting off on a tangent now, but like it just no, no, blows no. my mind that 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 our industry is filled with people that think it's okay to rip off their clients. It's not okay. It's not okay. Absolutely. Okay, cool. So I'm just going to, I'm a recapper. So if you're, if you've seen the power of this guarantee, one, come up with the biggest risk businesses face outside of time and money, create the boldest possible uh, offer that you can create, figure out how to deliver on the promise and you rag the plan. That was another of the fundamentals that I wanted to discuss. So I'm glad that we just got that right in there. Link your payments to clients results and then optimize. Um, So that is super powerful. And the other thing that I wanted to tie into, I think this goes directly into this. So like, um, I don't think we've addressed this so far. Obviously, if you're going to do a guarantee, you're not going to be guaranteeing a $10 product, right? Like we're talking about high ticket products and services that we want to make sure that we're we're leveraging this for. So this kind of, you've been helping shatter lots of myths here. So I would love for you to kind of bridge this into shattering the the, the myth of the Ascension model or that lots of other people talk about in this industry. (laughs) I love it. I love it. By the way, risk reversal totally works on low price items, but most people buy low price items on price, not on value. So risk reversal works when you're selling on value at any price point, at any price point, even a free session. 
a free session. Those of you that offer free sessions, which is a terrible way to get business, but I know many of you do. <laughs> and so it's like a free session. Come have a free session with me. You want to up your game? Have a free session with me. And if it's not the best hour you've invested on your business, I'll donate $100 to a charity of your choice. Mm. Oh, now you're putting your money where your mouth is. All right. Now yeah. I know it's not going to be a pitch fest. Now I know you're going to help me. Now you know you're going to earn the right for me to do business with you. Boom. Just like that. So even free items, you can risk yeah. reverse. Thanks for right? clarifying that. That's really powerful. Yeah. Now, having said that, the biggest myth our industry perpetuates, and I'm going to offend some people here. I know this because some of you have been taught by these people, is that you should start with little items Free item, tripwire, work your way up, work your way up, work your way up, work your way up. They call it the ascension model or the ladder. And you know, you, you, you even hear the terms like tripwire. Tripwire, $47 purchase, and boom, you buy you get them in. Because buyers are buyers, right? You want buyers, you want buyers. The challenge is, I know over 10,000 people, Brandon, that sell wisdom and knowledge. I know seven that make money every step of their way on, a, on an ascension model. Seven. So if you are better than one-tenth of 1% of the people on the planet in your space, you might be able to make the Ascension model work. And I guarantee you there are other people out there that make it work. But what my experience is most that make it work subsidize a loss at some of those steps on purpose because the other levels pay for it. Well, that's not a business most people can do. If you've got hundreds of thousands of dollars of cash sitting around, absolutely, it's a great way. You can fast, you can very quickly grow your business. But most people don't have that sort of capital to throw around and they don't have the experience on how to throw it around right, right? So they they surrender to what I like to call, well, Nick Kuzmich calls it Facebook philanthropy, <laughs> right? Donating money to Mark Zuckerberg, right? Buying ads when you got no idea what you're doing. That's Facebook philanthropy. And let me tell you something, folks. Zuckerberg does not need your donations, right? Donate to your food bank down the street or something. Zuckerberg doesn't need it. Like he's doing okay. He's doing all right. He doesn't need our donations. So back to this. So if you are going to figure out a way to sustainably grow your business, you need to have cash flow. And what we've learned is take a page out of Tesla's playbook. Tesla started with a very expensive roadster. Hardly anyone could afford it. Hardly anyone could buy it. But they created enough buzz and enough attention that then they built the Model S and the X. And then they built the Model 3 and the Y. And now they're taking over the world. But they're taking over the world because the Model 3 and the Model Y are selling like crazy. But not because they sold a whole bunch of the of the roadsters right? They start high and work their way down. That's the descension model. And if you're selling your wisdom and knowledge, if you start with your high ticket program, you can make money your first month. In fact, if you don't make money your first month, you don't have a compelling offer, period. Otherwise you make money your first month. We work with hundreds of people that make money their first month. These are our success trophies up here. The little ones for a hundred grand, that's for a quarter million, half million, a million, we give them out to our clients when they generate those levels of sales. And we often give this trophy out in the first month, 100,000 in sales, right? Why? Because if you have a compelling offer and you're, you're building in skills, accountability and mentorship and you're linking payments to results, then people want to play with you. <laughs> they want to play with you. Now, if you don't have the confidence to do that, then don't sell it. 
don't sell crap to them instead. Like that's even worse. Instead, figure out how to get good or better yet, partner with some people that are good, right? We met recently because you're partnering with a rock star by the name of Jules, right? Working on a project and you guys are partnering up together to change the world in the space that you're operating in, right? It's very normal in business to partner with other rock stars so that one plus one is 11. Like combined, you have something even better. So you don't have to have all the answers yourself. But you do, in our, our experience, you do want to create a program that can deliver the answers your ideal target market wants. And if you do that, you can start high ticket. And for us, high ticket starts at 10000 and up uh, mm. as first purchase. First purchase. And then you can really make some positive cash flow right out of the gate. And you can build a business. And then you can sell the lower ticket stuff to support those that can't afford or aren't prepared to invest the time and money in the high ticket. And that's mm-hmm. the descension part of it. Sorry. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. So we've covered lots of ground. We've talked about the power of risk reversal and guarantee. And now we've talked about the descension model. So the other secret sauce I know you add to this is like now somebody's listening. They're like, okay, I know high ticket is super, super powerful. And you've helped so many people develop these high ticket programs. So I would love to dive into some of your key insights on what goes into these high ticket programs. I know we already kind of alluded to some of the skills, accountability, and mentorship. Obviously, that's a huge component. But let's say there's um, well, I guess we have people all ends of the spectrum. We have somebody that maybe has never considered a high ticket and somebody that has a high ticket, but they want to optimize it. So what are some of the biggest um, suggestions that you may have for people to develop a high ticket program? Yeah, really good question. Because the the reality is there are some key elements to make this work. And if you're going to make it work, you want to make it scale, right? You want to make it scale. And by the way, that's one of the most misused words in our industry, <laughs> scaling. Most people equate scaling to growing, that's not scale. I'm going to use the term I learned from Frank Bria, author of the book Scale. So he must be an expert because that's what his book's called. <laughs> and uh, he said, when you, in our space, when you get a new client, no more work from you to support them. That's scale, right? So it's the ability to leverage your own time, energy, and, and effort. That's what scale is. Now that includes growing obviously and building your business, but it's separate when you're doing the scale side. So what are the keys to a high ticket program? Well, the first is the premise that the whole thing is based on. And this is so important. And I think a lot of people skip this and get into trouble with their high ticket program. Our job is to bring order from chaos. That's our job. So it's not about the 73 steps to do this or this or this. Although there might be 73 steps in your process to pull it off, right? It starts with getting clarity around the offer. So we've found you want to have five stages, five stages that you take someone through in your journey. And if you've got, you know, 17 steps, maybe step three or stage three is do these seven things. That's fine. But you organize it, and I like using mind mapping software, but for you low-tech people, just have post-it notes. Have post-it notes and put them all around. Organize your thoughts and get them into five buckets. Five buckets. We call it stages. And every stage has a finish line and a prize. Finish line and a prize. I learned this from IBM. Every three months, IBM has a finish line and a prize. Finish line and a prize. And in fact, my bell where I celebrate wins. Whoops. (laughs) There we go. This came from an IBMer, my old boss at Dell. Oh, nice. He was an IBMer. They literally gave them out to the team to celebrate wins with their clients. 
right? And you, like that's as low tech as you can get. It's a brass bell. Well, it still works if I don't hit it too hard. <laughs> so, so you want to have a finish line and a prize for each of your stages. So what is that? A finish line is what it implies. It's how do you know when you're done that stage? Right. If you're running a marathon, God bless you, number one. Number two, when you're at 26.2 miles, what do they have? A big banner, right? Congratulations, you nutcase. You made it through to 26.2 miles. Way to go. Go rest your feet for the next six hours, right? You know when you're at the finish line. There's no doubt if you're running a marathon when you get to the finish line, your clients need the same thing. So it's not, stay in each stage, it's not everything you're going to do. It's what's the last thing, the last thing in that stage. And then the prize is what's in it for you or your client in this case, what's in it for your client to get to that prize. Sorry, to get to that finish line. What The prize is what's in it for them to get to that finish line, right? And so it's super important. You, each of your stages have a finish line and a prize. The next thing you need to do do you, actually, do you have any questions on that before we jump ahead? I don't want to make sure we don't. No, no, keep going. Okay. I'll let you. Keep, I have some thoughts, but we'll finish at the end. The, the next is you need to name your process. This is important. You want to name it. You want to claim a name to it. We call the process of creating a high ticket program that guarantees results for your clients a game changer program. Why? Because it's a game changer to us and it's a game changer to them. Like that's why. Simple. They don't have to be fancy names, they don't have to be cute acronyms. In fact, there's almost a direct correlation, Brandon, between cute acronyms and lousy sales. (laughs) It's fascinating. In high-ticket program world, it's not about cute names. Courses, tripwires, oh yeah, cute names sell. But on high-ticket, nah. Our our current program that's crushing it, Million Dollar Summit Program. That's the cute name, (laughs) right? What's it about? Uh, I think it's about helping someone get a million dollars around a summit and it's a program. Yep. You got it. <laughs> right. Like Clear. pretty simple, pretty straightforward. So cute names, forget that really focused in and get them nice and simple, but you do want to name your process. You do want to come up with a name that sticks out in the marketplace that you can, you can hang your hat around. Mm-hmm. Right. So yeah, you've got that- the stages, the finish lines and prizes and names. And then the last part is figuring out how you're going to build in skills, accountability, and mentorship to get results, to get results. And we you know the, the short form of that is virtual training, group coaching, masterminds for everybody, and then scalable done for you services and live events where necessary. That's the mm-hmm. crash course of, of literally millions of dollars worth of R&D on our team to figure out what are the elements of a scalable offer so that the busier Brandon gets, the more life Brandon has, not the less life Brandon has. Yeah. Right. I highlighted that and when I was taking notes when you were talking about the insights that you've learned from building scalable businesses. You had said, I spent a lot of money doing this the wrong way early on, and now I only sell scalable oh programs. So, oh yeah. <laughs> so. Hard, so, hard. I mean, you, you you heard in my bio for those that are still with us here. And by the way, you're smart. Way to go sticking in it. Um, made and lost millions. It's always part of my bio. Why? Because those losses are painful. They're real lessons. And one of the biggest lessons is don't sell an unscalable offer in case it works. Not mm-hmm. in case it doesn't. In case it works. I got oh, so many painful stories of selling unscalable offers. It's like it's it's really dangerous when it works. Yeah. And I was going to, the other comment I was going to make, I just realized I didn't um, 
say this yet, but if, if you want to find somebody else that's in Tom's world, Tony Banta was on the show and he talked a lot about his customer success processes and that kind of stuff. And I know Tom and Tony have partnered. So I would highly encourage anybody to listen to the episode with Tony Banta because he's he's a rock star in his One own One of the right. smartest so results of- guys in, in our whole world. Yeah, really brilliant. We're honored that he, yeah. that he partnered up with us. Yeah, that's brilliant. So I also wanted to zoom in on one component of the scalability stuff that we were just talking about here. You said scalable done for you services. Can you explain the elements of what a scalable done service done for you service is? What separates the scalability for a service and an unscalability? Yeah, unscalable absolutely. Because it's such an important uh, variable, especially if those of you are agency type models out there where you're doing a lot of done for you components, this is the make or break. And, and I'll give you an example. First of my business partner, David Kellum from Australia, um, David had a technology services business that was doing about 300,000 a year. And he was doing most of the work and making some good money. He doubled it to 600,000 a year and was taking home less money. <laughs> right. And that's totally common in the agency business. Totally common. Double sales, take home less money, right? That's a way to measure unscalability, by the way, right there, right there. So what do you need to do for scalable services? A simple example is a website. Let's say you include a website as part of your service package. Well, if every website you do is custom, that's not scalable. But if it's a template and you clone the template and then it's adapted to their color and their message, it is scalable. So it can be the exact same deliverable. It's just a matter of how you deliver it. And by the way, if you are in the website business, isn't it kind of your job to figure out a good website versus a lousy one? Like, why are you letting your clients design websites? They're coming to you because you're good at that. And I'm nuts. Like, don't let them design it. It's a whole separate issue of why are they designing it? Because you let them. That's why. Right? Do you think, I mean, I just picked up a Tesla. I'm super excited. I got my Model 3 Tesla. I've had it for a week now. So I'm super excited. I'm loving it. You know, it's now snowing out here. I'm going to go drive later today in the (laughs) snow. I'm all excited. Like, you know, I'm loving it. Did I go to Tesla and tell them how to build the damn car? No. Right? That's what they do. Right? And by the way, with Tesla now, you get a choice of four colors. And that's it. So guess what? If you don't want one of those four colors, you buy the car and then you go to a wrap place and you get it wrapped, right? Because Tesla has even figured out paint variations are uh, add tons of complexity, tons of complexity to the process. Well, if someone as big as Tesla with as deep money as Elon Musk has says, no, 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 we're just going to have a few options. We're going to do them right, but we're just going to have a few options. Why do we think we're smarter than that? Oh, no, we do custom. No, you don't understand. My clients want it special. Yeah, that's because you give it to them special. (laughs) Absolutely, they want it special, but that doesn't mean it's in their best interest, and it's certainly not in your best interest to do that. So if you're going to do done-for-you services, like we do done-for-you summits as part of our Million Dollar Summit program, right? Well, guess what? We have a virtual summit blueprint process. And in that process, we figure out the pain points of the ideal target market that we want to offer the high ticket program after the summit. What are those pain points? And then that's where we come up with the topic of the summit and the topics of that we want to cover. And then we find speakers. What do most people do? Hey, Brandon, you want to speak on my summit? (laughs) Great. What do you want to speak on? Fantastic. I'll put you down for that. Thank you. 
Hey, Jules. Hey, Kevin, you want to speak on my summit? What do you want to speak on? Awesome. JV partners. Love it. Thank you. And we, and they do it backwards. So there's, there's an example in the summit world of an unscalable model or a scalable model, right? Does that make sense? Absolutely. And I just want to highlight, I know you said this, but just make sure this is super concrete. Like make sure that this is set up in case you succeed. There was another, I, I know you're connected to like everyone, Tom, but we had Vinny Fisher on the show um, from Fully Accountable. And he was talking about uh, receiving an award in front of traffic and conversion with Roland Frazier and everyone. And, and the thing that he said to his business partners would, what would people think if they knew that we were more profitable when we were half the size? Um, and so like, this is not the first time that I we've, we've had on a show an incredibly successful entrepreneur and Vinny, Vinny crushes it. Uh, talk about this lesson that was hard fought. So so it's like, maybe just think about that a little bit. <laughs> if you're like, oh, I don't know, what would it look like if I doubled? What would it look like if I had all these issues? That's a great way to forecast in the future if what you have is truly scalable. So thank you so much for sharing that. Well, and there's a nuance, you're welcome, because there's a nuance that that Tony has been teaching me uh, since we partnered up with Tony around client support, for example, right? Every aspect of your business you want to ask this about. So client support, we use Slack as our primary way for clients to communicate. And they post messages in Slack. Well, Tony teaches people, our clients, to ask empowered questions, not disempowered questions. And if they ask a disempowered question, they don't get an answer. Now, when he first told me that, I'm like, I'm a polite Canadian. You always answer (laughs) someone's question. You can't ignore a question. You got to answer it. He's like, Tom, you can't do that because then you're teaching them to ask disempowered questions and that destroys their business. You're completely setting them up to fail. Do you want them to fail? No. Well, then stop doing it. And I was like, wow. And so even as something is simple, it's simple. It's actually critical in how you communicate with your clients. You need to think about scalability. You need to think about scalability in that scenario. And if it's all custom, and if Tom has to answer, we get about 750 Slack messages in our channels right now a day. If I had to answer them, how many other items would get done, Brandon? <laughs> 0.0. It'd be my whole day. <laughs> All I'd be doing is answering Slack. And they would be so happy because they're getting an answer directly from Tom. And their business wouldn't flourish nearly mm. as well. So sometimes you need to have somebody... That's not you. Look at what you're doing and say, whoa, 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 whoa. Do you really need to like really? Right? Like I know you do a ton of research because I watched your training videos that you shared with me in advance of this interview, talking about how you do a ton of research. And then I watched testimonials from people saying, I did a ton of research. So I knew that coming in. Well, because I know the space you're operating in, I know why you do that because you build a better relationship with your guests. You're not doing the tons of research so that every single person listening in gets a better enjoyment. That's that's an incidental reason. It's important, but it's not the primary reason. I know because you're a smart guy. Your primary reason is you want a better relationship with your person that you're interviewing. Well, that's worth tons of time. But if it was just to entertain the audience better, no, that's like super low level return on your time, right? So, uh, you know, Larry King, for example, one, you know, one of the best interviews of all time, right? Passed away. Now he's up in the sky, probably interviewing God every second day or something. I don't know, but <laughs> he's, he's, you know, one of the best interviewers ever. And until he passed, I didn't even know this when he had, uh, celebrities come on with books, which happened all the time. Did you know he never 
ever read their book? I only know that because I listened to you say that, but ah, I didn't know that until you know. <laughs> Yeah, I was stunned. I was stunned. Why? Because he wanted that youthful enthusiasm of not knowing when he interviewed them. Now, that's different than preparing. He had teams of people prepare notes for him on the guests like you like you do on your own, right? Like that's a totally different thing. But the book itself, he absolutely refused to read it. And I was like, wow, fascinating. But he was in the entertainment business, not the deep relationship building business. Different business. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Different business. Yeah. So so part of scalable also depends on what business you're in, people. Like you got to think about what business are you in? What are the, what's the end result? What's the transformation? What's the as Jeff Walker would say, what's the outcome of the outcome that you're in? That's the business you're in. You're not in the stuff you're doing. The stuff you're doing is just how you get there. It's just how you get there. We're in the million dollar yeah. summit business right now. We're already planning for the demise of summits. We know summits, you know, as, as one of my mentors, Brian Kurt says, sooner or later, every good marketing idea gets destroyed by bad marketers, <laughs> right? So we know at some point summits are going to be dead and we're building an entire business around it. Well, summits are just a way to do paid lead generation. We're already working on multiple ideas to insert later if summits aren't as good as they are now. No problem. Hmm. It's just a tactic. So even our core element of our business, we're already working on replacing it. You got to think scalability. You got to think multiplication. You got to think systems as you're growing a business. If if you want to impact a lot more people, mm-hmm. some people yeah, don't. It'll, right? It'll be so interesting to see with Meta and like how everything that comes out with that. I, I, t- I typically don't like to talk about non-evergreen topics in the case that's something to talk about in the future. But the next few years are going to be really interesting. We'll just say that for yeah. a fact. <laughs> so, totally. um, top. Tom, time has been absolutely flying. I know we just got a a few minutes left here. So I wanted to talk about another thing that you would say is one of the most expensive business lessons you've ever learned. And so I feel like I'd be doing everyone a disservice if they didn't get this one. Um, But uh I thought it was just charged, not convicted. Now we're in trouble. (laughs) Here we go. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, this one has to do with something that you talk so much about, which I love, which is the strategy of a dolphin. But the way that you kind of really solidified and and learned this the hard way is uh, (laughs) I'll let you say the title of it. I think you you know, you you talk about uh, an incredibly expensive lesson that you learned with that because I think it's really hilarious the way you explain it. So (laughs) how I turned $21 million in an IPO into 10 million in debt in six easy months. Yeah. Six easy months, everyone (laughs) take notes. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. The tech superstar story of the day, uh, or not as the case may be. Yeah. It's, uh, the reason I surround myself with dolphins is frankly to remind me of the importance of this lesson. Um, there's a book called the strategy of a dolphin. In fact, uh, here's my, my copy, the strategy of a dolphin, uh, the camera's backwards. So you can't read it. It says by Dudley Lynch. Um, it's not in publication anymore. It's only an ebook available. Um, the strategy of the dolphin. And what it says is there's three types of people in the world. There are sharks, dolphins, and carp. And the sharks are the kill or be killed people. It's all about them, right? They believe that the world is a pie and they want the biggest pieces possible for themselves. And that means less for you. And that's how they're wired. And by the way, I used to be very judgmental about sharks. I'm not judgmental anymore. If a shark is being a shark, they're just living to the way they're wired, right? It's not, it's not bad or evil. It's just them being them, right? But you need to know if you're going to negotiations with a shark, that's their frame of reference in the world. They're going to look what they can take and that's the way they're wired. And then the carp are the bottom fish. They're always getting eaten by the sharks, 
right? They're the ones you call up and say, hi, how you doing? No, really? Really? You got eaten by another shark? Didn't you get eaten by one last week? Oh my God, what's happening to you? Like every time you talk to them, they're getting eaten by another shark. And it almost gets to the point where you don't want to hang with these carp anymore because it's like nothing but sob stories. They got eaten by another shark and then another shark and then another shark and then the internet died and then they got COVID and then this happened and it's like constant, right? And it's like, you gotta, you, you, you know what I'm talking about with the carp, right? And by the way, God bless them because they, the shark need people to eat. Otherwise they come after the dolphins and the dolphins are the third category and the dolphins are the team players. It's all about the pod. It's about family. It's about joy. It's about having fun. But in the wild, and not many people know this, the only creature shark fears isn't man. They don't know man. They think we're like Twinkies. That's why they try and eat us. <laughs> they think, oh, that looks, that looks like a good snack, right? That's the only reason they come after us. They don't fear us. They fear dolphin. Because if they go after a weak member of the pod the rest of the dolphins gang up on the shark and beat it senseless until it can't swim. And when a shark can't swim, what happens, Brandon? It dies. They, it dies. Don't they have to move? They literally have to move, otherwise they die. They have to have water going through their gills all the time. So when they sleep, they, they, they find themselves in a slow-moving channel. So the water goes through their gills while they sleep. And when they're awake, mm-hmm. they have to be moving all the time or they die. I love that metaphor. Like, don't mess with the dolphins or we're going to gang up on you sharks. I love it. Now, I've added a fourth category, a fourth category, and see if you recognize this. Enlightened sharks. It's still all about them. It's still all about their, you know, if you're buying their program or their offer or whatever, it's still all about them. But they know in order to get what you want, sorry, in order for them to get what they want, they have to help you get what you want. So they're some of the best trainers in our industry. They are some of the best stage presenters in our industry. I've got to know many of them behind the scenes. I've shared the stage with them. I've been in their high-end masterminds. I've been in the green room. Behind the scenes, it's all about them. It's all about them. But they know to get your love or your money or your sex or your adoration, they have to help you get what you want. And so they are what I call enlightened sharks. So they're great people to promote. They're great people to market. They're great people to study and learn from. But if you go into business with them, they're still a shark. Mm. They're still a shark. And you will get eaten. You will get eaten. And so, you know, the only question is when. With sharks, the only question is when. Not, not if you get eaten. The question is when will you get eaten. And so that's, that's my framework that I apply to everything that we do. We look at it. We look at the lenses, our strategic alliance partners, our joint venture partners, our clients, our certainly our senior team members, all filtered through that lens because, frankly, we want to play with other dolphins. We want to play with other dolphins. And, and dolphins believe in a win-win world. So where the, the shark has a pie and we're carving it up, the dolphins are kind of like Oprah. You get a pie, you get a pie, you get a pie, <laughs> everyone gets a pie, right? Like you got a pie machine, you're a dolphin, they're your pie machine. And that's why we say one plus one is 11. If it's done right, the combination of two people joining forces is better than the two separates on their own. It's a force multiplier in, 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 in military sense. It's literally better than a part. And that was easily the most expensive lesson I ever learned. 
We, we hired a shark CEO for our company as we took it public on the Toronto Shark Exchange. And within a few months, he embezzled all the money out of the company. It got delisted. And I lost, on paper, $21 million. And, and uh, yeah, it was just a, a disaster of an economic ending to a very powerful journey that is a constant reminder for me. We chose a shark, Brandon. It's even worse. Like, I don't know if you heard that part of the story, but we chose a shark because it was the public markets. We wanted a shark on our side, right? Protecting us in the public markets. But we never thought when they're the lead of your organization, they might eat you as well. And it's like, oh, okay. Big lesson. Big lesson. Yeah. I have a quick follow-up to this one. So as somebody that has that does so many JVs and partnerships, and you know, now you're keenly aware of the characteristics of what a shark looks like, what are some of the externally verifiable characteristics that help you to identify shark-like behavior so that somebody can say, oh, I understand that. Tom talked about it. I should stay away from that. Well, I actually, you know what? We should we should do another chat one day on the seven ways to avoid being ripped off by your partner. Because what I, I got that question so often over the years that I look back at all of our bad deals and all of our bad partners, and I try and I because I'm a research data guy, and so I looked for commonalities, and I came up with seven different things. And we don't have time left today to get into them, but what I will tell you is that the, it starts with what is their self-interest? Dar- dolphins, sharks, or carp, what's their self-interest? And a lot of times people assume their self-interest of the other person, but they don't validate it. They don't go find out. So for example, we've got 243,000 people in our list, mostly entrepreneurs and those that want to be. So people think when they approach us to mail for them that we care about how much money we can make when we mail, endorsing something. We couldn't care less. We couldn't care less. In fact, any referral fees we make, we donate to our nonprofit and have for years. We don't even keep the money. We don't even keep the money. We donate it. Why? Because we're not doing it for the money. We're only promoting things we believe in that will help our tribe get better. And so mistakenly, people will pitch me all the time. Come promote. You can make so much per click, so much per this, so much per this. I don't care. I just finished supporting, as we record this, Rich Sheffrin, one of the OGs in our space, right? The guy who literally invented internet marketing. Amazing, brilliant man. He's got a series of interviews called Steal Our Winners, where he interviews 155 of the smartest marketers on the planet. And we just promoted his lifetime access offer as we were recording this interview. It's gone now. By the time you listen to this, it's gone. In fact, it's gone today. (laughs) It's gone yesterday. (laughs) Uh, But I didn't promote it for the number of sales I would get. At all. I don't even know what I got out of it or what I will get out of it. I promoted it because I thought the interviews were amazing. They were 155 of the smartest marketers in the world giving their best advice. Like, you know how much, you know how much time and energy goes into your best advice? You know, Brandon, but most people have no idea. Like I, the, the advice I shared today has cost me millions and millions of dollars to learn and generated millions and millions of dollars once I applied it. And you're getting it for free in a podcast. So I know a number of you are not going to pay attention seriously. Now, the reality is the people still listening are paying attention. Let's be clear. But there will be all kinds of people statistically that have started in tuned out. Like, I don't need to listen to that. Nah, I'm not going to guarantee my stuff. Right? Yeah, why would I want triple the sales? (laughs) Why would I want nine times the prospects, right? Like, so humanity is humanity. Our job 
if we're going to impact as many people, because I, I believe my old mentor, Jay Abraham had a quote, if you have a product or service that delivers value, you have a moral obligation to reach as many people as possible. It's not about the money. It's about serving. It's about serving. And, and so these strategies all help you do that. They help mm-hmm. you reach more people so you can serve at a higher level. And frankly, isn't that the reason we're here as entrepreneurs? Really? Like, are we here to collect doodads and stuff? No, we're here to serve. We're mm-hmm. here to serve. We're here to find our, this is my, my belief. Anyhow, my belief is our purpose on earth is to find our calling and serve it to its fullest. And for entrepreneurs, that means reaching people, <laughs> right? If you're only serving one client at a time, you're not reaching a lot of people. Right. And I know you believe that for sure. That's why you do these podcasts and you take all the time to get to know people so that your audience can be served at a higher level and you can connect better with the people you meet. Right. That's a way to serve at a higher level. I love that about you. And, you know, this is probably my 250th podcast interview, give or take, in my life. It's probably my 1500th interview. And easily, easily, you've done more background work on the questions you've been asking than anyone that I've ever sat down with. Um, And so kudos to you for taking time and energy to do that, but also for recognizing how it serves your tribe. You're not doing it just because you've got nothing else to do. (laughs) I know you well enough to know you're a busy guy, right? You got lots on your plate, right? We're doing it because you can serve at a higher level and fundamentally, Right For the people listening in, that's why we're doing this. Each and every one of us, we're doing this to serve at a higher level. Or frankly, at least we ought to be. Because mm-hmm. the sharks have tuned yeah. out by now. They're not listening in anymore. You, know that, right? <laughs> you kicked them out, Tom. You kicked them out with your with They're your offended. They're gone. They clicked <laughs> off. They're like, all right, give me another podcast. Let me get it Rogan. I want to get Rogan on. <laughs> I'd be interested if you know, it's kind of like Dory from Finding Nemo when she has the whale talk. If if dolphin, if Tom has a dolphin impression, <laughs> dolphin laugh. Awesome. Well, Tom, well, first of all, thank you for the kind words. I know we're coming up on time and you have another appointment coming up in two minutes. I know your time is very valuable. So uh, last question is, is where can people find out more? We already talked about entrepreneurship empowerment. Uh, if they want to check that out, Tom Matson. where else can people find out about the incredible yeah, the, work? The and- best place to connect with me is on LinkedIn. Uh, my last name is M-A-T-Z-E-N, M-A-T-Z-E-N for the Canucks and, and Europeans in the room. Uh, if you go to Tom Matson on LinkedIn, there's only a handful of us and only one of me. And, uh, there's a bunch of free resources and training and, and links to other sites. Uh, and then connect with me on LinkedIn. Connect with me on LinkedIn and we can, uh, we can begin to get to know each other. So that's the, that I find that's the easiest way. Awesome. Cool. Thank you so much for sharing that. Connect with Tom on LinkedIn. Make sure to send him a note when you connect. That's my, one of my biggest pet peeves. Like take the time to like get to know Tom, thank him for things or read something on his bio, say something, uh, talk about the value that Tom has delivered for you today. So Tom, thank you so much for your time. This has been an absolute blast. I appreciate you for all the incredible movements that you're creating in the world. Uh, it's, it's an honor to get to spend time with a, a world changer. So thanks so much, Tom. And we'll talk to you soon. You bet. Cheers. Hey, it's Brandon here again, and I have a quick favor to ask before you head off, and that is if you are listening to my voice right now and you are currently using either Apple Podcasts or Spotify, it would help me a ton if you could stop what you're doing, take five seconds to tap the number of stars that you think the show deserves. So if you're on Spotify, there's a place to add a star rating right underneath the name of the show. And if you're listening on Apple, just scroll down where you're seeing all the episodes and there's something that says tap to rate. 
Just tap the number of the stars that you think the show deserves. And you may not know this, but I typically spend over five hours of my own time each week just researching a guest on the show. And then there's the time that's spent recording the show, the intro, reaching out to new guests, and of course, all the editing, publishing, promoting that my amazing wife and high school sweetheart, Leah, helps me to manage. So all that to say, there's a lot that goes on just to get to the point where you listen to this episode. So if you appreciate the content and have 10, five to 10 seconds to spare, it would help a ton if you could leave a quick rating on the show. Extra credit if you choose to leave a review, but just tapping whatever stars you feel the show deserves helps a ton and it takes so little time. So whether you choose to do that or not, I so appreciate you and I'll talk with you soon.